Oh, hey, big old gabagool. I'm Brian Salvatore. I'm here with the DC Three Cast, and we're here to talk about some comics. And I'm Dan DiDio. <laughs> I'm here with Vincent Zach. Let's talk about stuff. Oh, what's that, Brian? You have to go. You have to go for the rest of the episode. You're not going to be here. You you yep, literally I'm leaving. I'm you leaving. literally came to just kick off the episode, and that's it. I'm out of here. Bye. All right, I guess Zach and I'll just do it. All right, bye, Brian. I'll talk to you later. Um, I guess I'll uh, I'll host the show since he's gone. Yeah, what a weirdo. Yeah, he's so weird. He's got to go watch some DC shows or something. I think <laughs> that Flash isn't gonna watch itself. <laughs> he does say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so. Yes, welcome back to the DC3 cast. It's just me and Vince, so you're in for a wild ride if the show actually gets posted. <laughs> if, in fact, there's a trace of it once we're done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How are you, Vince? I'm, I'm, well, you know, all, all things considering, considering the comics we had to read this week, I'm pretty good. Yeah, they were there were some comics this week and we're going to talk about them. And that's about all we're going to talk about because there is no news to speak of that we know of. Yeah, there uh, Oh, wait, there was one thing. I did I did want to mention that Marvel is putting out their own version of the Terrifics written oh, by Oh, really? Scott. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um it kind of feels like a, like they're copying DC, but you know, yeah, those things go back and forth. So, I'm not yeah. really going to I'm not really well, going to paste them for this one, but... Well, this whole anus tart thing kind of <laughs> looks like... Um, it's a lot like the, the New Age of Heroes, you know? They have that, that new character who's a lot like Damage. Ah, yep. The um, immortal, what's he uh, called? The Immortal... The Immortal something. Uh, is it... Immortal Claw, I think. I'm pretty sure. Sounds right. Something like that. I, I don't know. I'm not a Marvel head. I don't get it. I don't know. We have another podcast somewhere on the site that, um, that you know, um, I believe it's called uh, "Make Love to Marvel." Probably. Um, I heard that they were the reason that Jonathan Hickman's not writing at DC anymore. So, um, I would hold that against them. We're so deep in it right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Um, so yeah, we get to kick off this week with a double dose of everybody's favorite mammalian rodent flying man. Uh, the guano, guano producing hero of our times. Of our times, the one we need right now. Um, Batman number 44 Written by Tom King, illustrated by Michael Janine and um, Joel Jones. Oh, the great Joel Jones. Yes, yes. Um, I liked this issue. I did too, Zach. This oh was my a good. God. This was a good issue. Yeah, I it was so fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was. You know what else? What? Now, if Brian were here, he would disagree with me. But less wonky dialogue than usual, I think. I think so, too. I think the closest we came to it um, 
was the bit, the final Michael Janine bit, um, where they're in the present, jumping around on the rooftops. That was the worst it got. Yeah, refresh my memory on on that. Um, um, we keep changing outfits. I know. Ah, uh, yeah. Us over all the years, outfits. It's not the outfits. <laughs> You're gonna say an outfit. <laughs> That was a little on the nose too, you know. Like mm-hmm. I, I felt like um, that's one really interesting thing that this issue did because basically the premise is that Joel Jones draws the uh, modern era stuff where Catwoman sneaks out in the middle of the night to pick out her wedding dress. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, oh my God, Joel Jones is like a master. Oh, so good. Ah, just so just everything. Now those those scenes were largely dialogueless. They are. Um, and I think this, I have a theory uh-huh. that this issue, I think, proves. Lay it on. Um, Tom King, Michael Janine Batman is not good. No. Tom King, Joel Jones Batman is very good. Yes. And we have both in this issue. And both sides represent, I think, their respective artistic arcs that we've had. Mm-hmm. They're they're representative. Yes. Yes. This, this is this issue is the proof in the pudding, as it were. I agree. Yep. Yep. I think that's well thought out there. Um, the Joel Jones stuff is so playful, and uh, it really feels like she's given room to just work. You know. Mm-hmm. And the Michael Janine stuff, even though I like this issue more than most. It still feels like he's being a little hamstrung by the amount of back and forth dialogue he's having to deal with. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's, but I liked I liked the general idea of this episode, which is that then then in the past stuff, which is what Janine draws, it's like Batman and Catwoman throughout the years. And, of mm-hmm. course, they're wearing their different costumes for the different eras, and they're kind of interacting yeah. with one another in the ways that you would traditionally see in those particular eras. And I thought that was a real that was a really strong idea, a really nice thing to revisit in the lead-up to their wedding. And then, like, Tom King couldn't help but at the very end, like, make them say out loud exactly what we had picked up from reading the you know what i mean like mm-hmm. yeah don't just need, spelled it out completely right yeah. they don't need to say like well the costumes have changed you know like no we see that you know we see that happening it was a really nice uh storytelling device that then you just went and like blurted out at the end mm-hmm. you know? yeah yeah i did i did like that aspect of it though like the tracking of the the different looks and the you know the passage of time which is something that dc has been really bad at in the past you know in the new 52 era Mm -hmm. so that was really nice this felt like something that we would have had like pre-flashpoint um plus um bruce riding a horse chasing selena riding a white tiger (laughs) yes really good um, so yeah, I overall, I like this a lot. Yep. Plus yeah. that dress, a nice, nice choice. It was a nice choice. And also, um, I'm not saying I'm into this, but if you look on page eight of our PDF, there's, uh, there's some feet 
there <laughs> for the for the show me for the show me the feet people. <laughs> I mean, there's, this book has some for everyone. Is basically what I'm saying. Oh, so, you're right. You're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, real quick, I love the bit with her and Alfred at the end. Yes. Yeah, where she he sees her sneaking back in, and oh man, Joel Jones, yeah. so good. Really good, really good. Um, man, let's carry this positive energy into <laughs> Batman White Knight number seven. <laughs> oh man. Um. So remember, remember what I said about uh, so Sean Murphy writing and 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 drawing this one, mm-hmm. Matt Hollingsworth. Um. Doing the uh, doing the colors, colors, yeah. colors yep. Um, remember what I said last week about Doomsday Clock and how I was trying to set aside my distaste for the project and and just let it kind of wash over me and try to enjoy it. Mm-hmm, I vaguely recall that, yeah. Yep, and it didn't work out for Doomsday Clock. I'm not saying it worked out for this issue. I'm not. It worked out a little better than it did for Doomsday Clock, so I tried to do the same thing. And I have to say, if I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say something positive up front. I really do like the Mister Freeze stuff. Mm. I, I honestly like the because he gets a little bit in this issue, and I feel like that's that stuff is by far the strongest that this book has to offer. And I wish it was more of that and less of the, Oh, we're trying to be so clever with the Joker and the Neo Joker. And, Oh, you mean just Neo as she's referred to here in this issue? Well, she is the one. She's the one. (laughs) But other than that, yeah, I really, I still really don't like, I don't think the Joker Batman story that's being told here is truly anything that we haven't seen before. No. This issue did, a, I think, like a really bad thing. Um, in that, both in, in concept and in its execution, the, the bit where um, Jack Napier and Batman are riding in the Batmobile together and Bruce is basically trying to coerce him into telling him like why he attacked Jason Todd. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Which which for like one thing, okay, so on one level this is something that has like no context within the course of this series. Like if you were just someone who's coming on to this, you would have no idea what's going on, I would think. Like this is a this is like a Batman continuity thing. Yeah. You, you know, so first of all, no context within the course of the story. Then he's basically like I can't do it. The Joker won't let me. And then Bruce is like, just concentrate and do it. And then he's like, Oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that's like not great. That's not great storytelling. And then uh, we get this like weird, I, I guess the series has already kind of flirted with this, this kind of, um, you know, playing fast and loose with what we know about continuity and then having this reveal that Jason Todd is still alive, but it's not like we know it. And he just kind of is somewhere hating Batman somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was really strange. Yeah. Just that whole sequence. 
I felt like kind of derailed the the pace that was actually like not kind of like you would allude to like not the worst um it was just a weird choice Mm -hmm. all the way through i think yep um but yeah like you said mr free stuff is good uh, I mean, I guess all of the Batmobiles, that that was kind of fun, I guess. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a sucker for when any comic does that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But, yeah, otherwise, I mean... I just It's just kind of like what you said, you know. With the Joker and Batman, he's trying to mine old territory for new... For, for what he wants to tell you is a new angle on a story and it's really not you know mm-hmm. it's stuff we've seen so many times before that it it couldn't possibly feel fresh no matter how good it looks and no matter what like small new wrinkle you throw in you just can't you know at this point it's a tale as old as time between those two and it's really tough to mine any new ground there yeah I don't have anything else to say about it. Nah. Did you read no. Black Lightning, Zach? I did actually. Oh, nice. Have you? I've, I, I, I skipped forget. the last few issues. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, but I jumped in for this one because it was the end, and and you know I picked it up just fine, and and it was enjoyable. I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Tony Isabella writing, uh, Clayton Henry and Yvel Guichet. On art? That, sounds, that sounds right. Close enough. Um, I'm impressed that Clayton Henry made it almost six full issues of mm-hmm. really good art. Um, yeah, this one this one is real. I think we've been saying this all along, but it's a very it's a fairly standard like Black Lightning versus Tobias Whale story for six issues. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go out of its way to do anything like groundbreaking mm-hmm. um and of course it leaves like a little cliffhanger at the end where you know uh tobias whale's defeated he's taken into custody and then of course he's not actually he ends up escaping somehow right i keep thinking you're gonna say tobias fumke tobias every fumke single time has also escaped um <laughs> he's a never nude there's literally <laughs> dozens of them uh, oh, you want me to be explicit? <laughs> um, one thing I liked about this series that was consistent the whole way through was was how it... Like, in this one, they deal with gun violence. And, like, they mention the, the NRA and kind of their role in... in keeping guns, you know... In out in rotation, you know, and, right, and right, yeah. There was a lot of that stuff throughout this series that didn't really. I I mean, I think a certain type of person would would feel that it was shoehorned in, you know, but I think if you're looking at it objectively, like it wasn't like that sort of social justice stuff wasn't so much of a presence, but it lingered in the background, like it was a definite thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's that's really appropriate for this story. Um, I think that was good. That was the strength of this this series. Um, yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. Um, and um, I really liked how they kind of handled 
the you know whale's downfall being that um you know in his kind of like fear mongering he essentially united everyone mm-hmm. like the which is not how you kind of expect the story to go right um i like that a lot yeah that's a, that's a good point i like yeah. some members of the justice league showing up uh-huh that was uh, nice yeah the, the who was it the flash and and uh, cyborg. cyborg yep mm-hmm. yeah i always i love things that make it feel like a bigger universe um like like Black Lightning's not just slotted away in some other world <laughs> in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This was this was nice. It was this was nice. His his supporting cast is cool. I like this um um the the shapeshifter that works with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget their name. Um, yeah, I do too. I got to admit, I didn't take great notes this week. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> Normally, I take a ton of notes, but you are, yeah, you, you are very precise in your note taking. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this was really good. I'm. This gets me excited for whatever the the Black Lightning Detective Comics oh, yeah. arc is going to be like, and then you know whatever spins out of that, assuming it is going to be an Outsiders type thing. Um, I feel like this lays the groundwork for that really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that. I'm glad you brought that up because um, one thing I said about this book was that I hope when it's over, it's not just like, "All right, Black Lightning's gone. It's gonna be another five years before you see him again." <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. we know that that's not true anymore, and so I'm I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. Did you open up Cyborg? <laughs> I did not, actually, um, and probably I will right now, um, just because I'm very intrigued to find out what an engine of destruction <laughs> destruction is. Um, well, I couldn't really tell you, even though I it did. It sounds riveting. I did look at this one. Basically, basically, what it is is that it's because because Vic is a cyborg, and because, oh, and because drones are the thing right now, he's got to fight a bunch of drones, which he does. Okay. Okay. He also fights like that. That checks out. Yep. He also fights like Mecha, because I guess I don't know. That's a thing. That are these Cyborg like are do. these like Gundam or are they more like? They're kind of like Gundam. Yeah, they're. Uh... Is this like, or are these like Zords? <laughs> they're uh, they're like Go Lions. <laughs> they're like mighty Orbots. Oh my goodness! You remember the mighty Orbots? No. Oh, that's a that's a deep cut. Go, mighty Orbots! <laughs> mighty um, mighty Orbots were like the ripoff Transformers. Okay. Like, let me. I'm gonna throw this into the. This is not a nut face. Oh, I'm I'm, I've already, I'm already googling. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is wow. that is that not just Optimus Prime? Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, not great. Not no. Great. Might, like, probably like this book though, right? Not, not Is it good? No. Oh god, no. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh well. Um Yeah, it's not good. It's right. um 
they're like, uh, I guess they're kind of like Shogun bots. Like, they're kind of like, uh, ooh, what was that one? Shogun Warriors? Was that a cartoon? Um, that sounds familiar. Shogun Warriors cartoon. Oh, no. They, it wasn't a cartoon. They were a toy line. The, the Power Rangers did have Shogun-themed Zords at one point. They did, yep. Yep, that's true. Let, but you I know what? See. Let's just move on from this cyborg mess. Okay, okay. <laughs> Is um, that good with you? That's good with me, because next we had to talk about Deathstroke. The Batman. Deathstroke 5, five Batman. T- tell, tell me how you felt about this one. Um... I don't know. Oh, really? I didn't think it was bad. Oh, it definitely wasn't bad. I mean, Deathstroke is always good. Um, there are things that I liked about this, but also, man, you know, I just don't like Batman that much. You know that. And yeah. and this is too much Batman in my Deathstroke. It is. Yep, I, I agree with that. Like, the, the concept of Batman crossing over with anyone is not not all that exciting. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. And and also just conceptually, so basically like how this issue goes down is um, there's a mystery. Batman gets a secret note that suggests that Deathstroke is Damien's dad. He presents Deathstroke with the evidence and Deathstroke's like, uh, okay, I don't care. And Batman's like, why don't you care? And that's what's going to start this war is that like Batman cares too much and he's offended that Slade just doesn't care. This whole arc is just going to be like Batman, like, look at me, senpai, basically. <laughs> uh, I love that we can say that kind of stuff because Brian's not around to yeah. poo-poo us. Um, <laughs> love you, Brian. Um, yeah, I agree. That ending was really weird because I, I expected the way that this was kind of sold was like Slade's going to be like fighting Batman for custody of Damien. Right. Mm-hmm. But the way that it seems at the end of issue one anyway, is that that's Slade's like, no, one thing I liked about it was that he's like, I get tons of paternity <laughs> notes all the time. You know, like this is no different. Oh. And I love that. Like, like, okay. If you're Batman, if you're Batman, you've already done a paternity test on Damien because you're the most prepared superhero in the history of superheroes. In fact, you might have already done a test on Slade Wilson for his paternity to prove that he's not Damien in advance because you know that Deathstroke is a coxman and you're the most prepared superhero of all time, right? He's always afraid of being cocked. He probably checked <laughs> to see if if Dick could have been the dad, oh. if Alfred could have been the dad. Dude, you're so um, right. Yep. And even he's though he's a Boy out. Scout, Cal, he's, he's checked... For He's checked for Cal for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Like Batman is, Batman <laughs> thinks he's uncuckable. So, I, you're right that like it was weird that Slade's like, well, no, this isn't me, and like, why Batman's not just like, well, I'm satisfied with that at the end doesn't really. It was a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but overall, I liked this. Um. Mm-hmm. Like. One thing that I love about this issue is that it continues to be really, like, light and funny at times. Mm -hmm. So, like, Wintergreen and Alfred go way back as, like, soccer soccer watching pub goers, you know? 
Oh, right, right. Which, of course. Of course, yeah. And and I I like that Alfred's, like, kind of annoyed when Wintergreen's around, like, bugging him about soccer and stuff. Oh, man. You remember when we thought that Jeremy Irons was Wintergreen? <laughs> I seem to remember thinking that, that Bruce Wayne was Slade Wilson. Oh, don't you know that that's like what the whole point of this is? This this arc is. Um, oh. We find out that that the same person, Deathstroke, is Damien's dad because Deathstroke is Batman and Batman is Deathstroke. And dude, you're right. They're gonna. Um, uh, Batman is gonna somehow obtain a sample of of uh, Slade's seed, and he's gonna cross match it with his own, and they're gonna be the same. It's basically like it's like Superman blue and red. Only it's. <laughs> this is ac- this is actually Batman Reborn. <laughs> At the end of it, it's gonna sew up continuity so that we finally realize that Slade is Batman. The whole time. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I want to talk about a few presentation things about this issue that I think are interesting. Sure. Um, I think. It's really interesting how this is being given almost kind of like an event series billing. You know, it has its own special logo. It has this big part one up in the top right corner of the Mm -hmm. cover. Um, There's this weird editor's note towards the beginning that that brings to your attention that this is happening before current events in the DCU, which I can't really think of any reason why it would need that. (laughs) Right. Um, but yeah, I just, it's really interesting to me, kind of the positioning that this arc is getting. It is interesting. It's, it's, um, well, I wonder if, I wonder if later in the story that, that, uh, takes place prior to current events in the DC universe thing is going to come into play with, uh, because you see like Tim and Joseph being interviewed Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if there's a reason why, if there's a story reason why it's Tim. I, you know what I mean. You know, just because those, just because Tim is a character like from outside this, from outside the Deathstroke story that Christopher Priest has been writing, if it's somehow going to factor into, to just saying, you know, that he's not this is not a part of what's going on with Tim and Batman in current mm-hmm. continuity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But I think it was interesting from the very first, I remember like when the solicit for this came out, it almost sounded like it was going to be a mini series written by priest that wasn't Deathstroke number 30, you know, mm-hmm. like that Deathstroke yeah. was going to take a hiatus. And then I believe I believe the editor or somebody went on to Twitter and said, no, it's still going to be Batman number 30, but we're, we're selling it as a miniseries that stands alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's really interesting. And I think that that's something that I think that's something that DC should attempt more often. You know, I think so too. You know what it almost reminds me of? I, I don't think the implications of this are going to be as deep, but think about how like, stories in the 80s and 90s that we now think of as like standalone graphic novels Mm -hmm. were actually part of batman yeah yeah you're right that it does have that feel yeah 
Um, it feels very big, very special. You, we have this nicely weeks cover. Oh, gorgeous. Um, the art is very good. Some of um, Carlo Pagalian's best work, I think, ever. Um, yeah, I um, I like this a lot for what it was. Yeah. Outside I, of Batman. <laughs> I agree. Yes, I agree with your quibbles. I think I think that aside, this was a pretty good. I think this was I think this was as good as Christopher Priest could do with, um, you know, incorporating a character that we frankly see enough of. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, going in order of our of our PDFs, Vince, what did you think of the latest um, chapter of Exit Stage Left Snagglepuss Chronicles? Oh, I thought it was terrific. <laughs> wonderful even <laughs> oh man i thought it was really um this was kind of a uh harsh issue by the end did you you read it um i i'm kind of at the skim point with this series okay well well by the end there's a big bust on the uh so so you see that um uh, Huckleberry Hound has been sleeping with that one police officer horse, okay, who's been uh, seen at the Stonewall Gay Bar. That uh, he's, you know, he kind of because they pay their because they they essentially pay the cops for them to keep out of there. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's his beat, and he watches it and makes sure that there's no interference in exchange for some amount of money or whatever. Which, by the way, I didn't realize until this issue, but it makes perfect sense. That's Quick Draw McGraw. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is like, oh, of course, you know. Um, but uh, but then, you know, due to the escalation of um, the Red Scare and them going after Snagglepuss as a deviant, you know, they're... they're they think they're going to catch him there and he ends up not going there that night, but they bust the place anyway. It gets really rough. And I like, they throw around slurs in this book with the intent to like, I mean, obviously it's being done from the perspective of the bad, the guys who are in the wrong here. Right. Mm -hmm. But I was like, this is, this is mature for (laughs) Hanna-Barbera. And, uh, I don't know. It was weird. Like I... well, you said, it was rough. Is it ready? <laughs> it's it's chicken esque. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Like I really, I still really like what Mark Russell has going on here, but it got it got real in a way that like I was not expecting. Hmm. And I don't know if that's, I'm not saying it's not the appropriate tone for these books, but it's weird to think that he's doing some really mature, serious, um, comment, social commentary using (laughs) Snagglepuss. Like it's still, it's still, you know, it's even a step beyond what he was doing with Flintstones, I think. Um, 
Which is not, it's, it's not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying like, I don't think I was even prepared for this. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating. I, I, I kind of I want Mark Russell to, not that I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm loving this, but I want to see him on like a Vertigo book or like, like I know he's done stuff outside of Hanna-Barbera, but like right now this is very much his sort of station. And I want to see him, I want to read more of him in other stations now, you know? I don't, I don't want the next yeah. thing, I don't want the next thing that he does to be like, uh, Adam Ant <laughs> has erectile dysfunction or something, you know? Um, but yeah, this is, this is still really good to me. But I can see, oh. I can see how it wouldn't be some people's cup of tea yeah it's it's a little it's a little tough i think both from a i i feel like this is not something that i want to read in in single issues Mm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. i think i would rather just sit down with this and read it as a whole um yeah i bet it will i bet it'll read better that way mm -hmm. i think a lot of this I think a lot of like the like I, I even think um I think a lot of the Hanna Barbera stuff probably does read better that way. Um, yeah. I'm, I mean I'm sure the Jetsons will. Yeah. A lot of it I just don't want to read. Yeah. So. Yeah, fair enough. Um how is um Sasquatch girl? Um <laughs> I don't know. I think it's cute. I don't think it's for me, but like Wonder Woman shows up in this. Did you see that? No, I yeah. didn't. Yeah, she's like flying over the city where they're doing their. Uh, oh. They're investigating this crime or whatever, and she like flies by and drops in and. Man, I didn't know that Sasquatch Detective was actually in the in the DCU. It is now, baby. Man. Just wait until she shows up in Doomsday Clock. No, my goodness. <laughs> Well, anything else about Snagglepuss? No, I don't think so. Before we get into our 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 green, the green segment, the green duo, the the yeah, I don't have anything else. Yeah, <laughs> this was an interesting week for well, a couple of issues of mm-hmm. that we read, but you know, yeah, the, fir- this, the, the first one, the right first here. one, Green Arrow number thirty-nine, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. Um, and illustrated by Marcio Takara, is that right? Yes, the great Marcio Takara. Some of some of their best work, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of this, Zach? This was different. Uh, this is different. Um, and I actually meant to double check. I don't remember. Was this Deathstroke annual that they're referring to part of the priest run? I didn't think there had been two annuals yet. There it's, haven't been. It says way back in Deathstroke Annual 2. Way back in. Okay. Well, is, see, that threw me off because it also said six months ago, which doesn't feel <laughs> like it would have been way, you know, a long time ago. But yeah, here it is. Deathstroke number two. Deathstroke Annual number two came out in June of 2016. 
Um, and I guess that's what this issue is building off of. Yeah, which is that's bizarre, right? It is bizarre, especially because it wasn't written by. It was written by uh, no, this because this was uh, Phil Hester and Mirko Kolak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a this is very interesting. This is a pre-rebirth deep cut. Yeah. Um, well, and this yeah, and this well, this wasn't even. This wasn't rebirth. No, it's no, it's pre-rebirth. It's pre-rebirth. Yeah. Yeah. Which is bizarre to me. So it 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 makes me think. Do you think this was just like a like a um like an issue sitting in a drawer somewhere? That, Do you think they had been That's what I'm thinking. I wonder if they yeah, I don't know. Really bizarre. It is bizarre. Um Especially because I, they don't throw in like a you'd think they would say like way back in Deathstroke Annual number two and then in like parentheses two thousand sixteen or some or something yeah you know yeah yeah it almost makes you think you missed a priest deathstroke annual it does it really does um so that that was weird um i really liked this issue artistically um the story is fine Mm -hmm. i think it you know kind of like we were getting at it, I, it just took me a really long time to get my bearings. And I don't think I ever really did. Yeah. You know, I think I got the broad, broad strokes of the issue, Mm -hmm. which I think, I think was maybe enough by the end to say that I enjoyed this, but you're right. It was, it was, um, it was not easy going. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but Lansing and Kelly do fine work here, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think here, and as we'll get into a little bit in their in their other book this week, um, I would like to see them on something more more steady with DC. Yeah, I've heard. You know, I only read like the first issue of the Gotham City Garage thing. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it well enough, but not well enough to keep up with a digital first thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think, yes, I, I've heard good things. And I think that they, they've they got a voice, you know? Like, this mm-hmm. was not, this was wordy, but it was easy to read. Yeah, and I, there were only a few pages that I felt like were egregiously wordy. Yeah. Um, there's that one page, I think, right bef- right after that um, that sp- spread page that introduced the, the nobody army or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that, that next page that just has so many word balloons. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Way, I, way too many. But, I see what you're saying, yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, artistically, I really like this issue. I, I, I thought this was just a fun, well, it's not fun, but it, it, it was a good little side story. It was. Um, and Marcio Takara can draw a really cute little street cat. So <laughs> Nice little palico there. Nice, yeah. <laughs> That's a Monster Hunter thing. Um, can I, uh, I'm going to get political for just a second. Okay. Uh, who 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 to thunk it? 
I, I'm not gonna. I, I won't dwell on this too much. I one thing I really liked about this was that so Ollie's a lib, right? Mm-hmm. Big big old libtard. <laughs> and what I liked about it was that it presents a it presents something of a modern issue that we're dealing with in the Middle East, where it can be argued that you know intervention is happening the wrong way and it's actually causing more problems than it's solving. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's a fairly well accepted take by this point. We've been there for how many years and Ali is doing the very centrist liberal thing of like coming and thinking that, uh, thinking that him throwing a bunch of money at the problem is going to solve it or, or help and help. And they're telling him, you know, no, it needs to be more, uh, substantial than that it needs to be more like this is a this is a problem that this is a solution that will cover up some surface level problems but it's not the cure for the disease you know mm-hmm. and i think that that's like as somebody who's like really on the left that's something that i struggle with too because like there are people that think that you know you can intervene in these superficial ways and that you're helping when really there's this like deep seated stuff that's, that's going on that one, you know, and and that goes not just for the middle East, but for like other pro like uh, Amazon can't throw a bunch of money at a problem and be praised without people also recognizing that there's like labor issues that are very deeply, diseased in their own company you know like they can can appear on the surface to be throwing money at a problem in some sort of charitable way but there's this like deep-seated stuff that that's going unaddressed or or kind of you know what i mean and i like Mm -hmm. i like that they tackle that with ollie because that's kind of his thing like he's this he's this like tech millionaire or billionaire i forget how much money they say he has who who leans left but it's really from the, you know, there's this also this understanding that that doesn't just solve the problem. Yeah. And and it's also interesting and problematic that when his throwing money at the issue doesn't work, he just instantly decides to resort to this kind of like vigilante redemptive violence. Yeah. 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 Um, and in some ways that's like, that's like a product of this having to be a superhero book. Exactly. Know? Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> but yes, that's a, that's a very good point, Zach. Um, it's yeah. There's a lot of times in comics where I feel like uh, writers go to go for these social issues and they've got the right idea. And then they, then they go, but this also has to be a cape <laughs> book. So uh-huh. yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, but, th- this was fine. Yeah. As far as like fill in arcs go, this is this is fine. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean the the only problem with it is that it took forever for me to figure out where this is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Placed, and I mean know. in the end I don't even I don't even think it matters. I think you're just supposed to be like, okay. Yeah, yep. I- I'm here. Alright. That Jonesy, sure, yep. That uh, Jonesy. I definitely know who that is. <laughs> 
Marveling at the Movies is a new show on the Multiversity Podcast Network in which I, Alexis, and I, Matthew, force our other friend, Matt, hello, to watch every film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as they lead up to the upcoming Avengers Infinity War. You see, our friend Matt, hello, has never read a comic book in his life, nor ever had any interest in watching any of these films until Black Panther came out. And even then, I want to note that I just thought Black Panther was cool and really didn't feel like I had to watch any of these other movies. Which is where we came in and decided otherwise for him. <laughs> each episode features us interviewing Matt before and after watching each film, gauging his knowledge of the characters, seeing what he thinks will happen, and what characters he starts rooting for or identifying with. And then mercilessly teasing him afterwards with all of the comic book knowledge, Easter eggs, and other random nonsense that we know and can hold over his head. Cool. So join us every weekday this April for a new episode full of cinematic insight. Fun facts. And I'm here also. So yeah, our other Green Book of the Week, Green Lanterns, number 44, written by Tim Seeley, illustrated by uh, Roman Cliquette. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, man, I, I like Seeley, and I want to be, yeah, and I like Green Lantern, but I just, cannot care about this book anymore it's interesting because i i started caring and then they brought back this singularity jane character Uh and i immediately was like i don't even really remember what her deal was and like do you know do you know what her deal is no i don't really get it (laughs) she was like a bounty hunter i thought yeah but she has this like weird she seems to have this like strange power over people that I don't really, I don't. She almost kind of feels like a Doom Patrol character, like villain. Yeah, but not in a good way. Like not a good one. <laughs> no. Like a like like one of the weird Doom Patrol runs that weren't done by, um, you know, Grant Morrison. Yeah, or anyone anyone interesting. Sure. Um. Yeah, this, gosh, uh, I feel like I'm just going to say this every week, like the Green Lantern reboot can't come soon enough. Yeah. We just need a complete restructuring because the the foundation here is just not good at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like we're shackled with a pretty lousy status quo and it's affecting the, the quality of stories that can be told. And I, it's, you know, it's really tough too, Zach, because I don't, I don't think it's Simon and Jess's fault. No, I don't. And yet, and yet it's always them in these stories that are not doing it for me. Mm -hmm. So like, what is it? I, I think that the idea of pairing them was really well-intentioned and good but it was it was a fun idea, but it I don't think that it was an idea that could be mined for a lot of story potential, if that makes sense. Because they were they were both essentially blank slates to begin with, mm-hmm. and it's it's like you're trying to build have two I, I it's like when you start from almost nothing it's really hard to build 
off of each other, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You're, you're like, um, it'd be different if, you know what I think? I, what I would have liked to see, because I want to see this more in, in Green Lantern in general, and I know I've talked about this before, but I, I'm going to come at it from a different angle. I miss when there were a bunch of these second-tier Lantern characters that felt like they were kind of being trained for the big time. I'm talking about, like, Arisia and Mm -hmm. what's-his-name. If they would have sort of replicated that and kind of slotted Simon and Jess in there, Mm -hmm. not necessarily taking a focus away from them, but incorporating them more... I feel like, like... throwing them on their own as lanterns together and then never having them interact with the core very much. I mean, they've gone back once or twice, but like not for very long. I feel like just throwing them out on their own is not something that the Green Lantern core, which in the past felt very cohesive. I feel like they're just out there on their own and it's kind of me. It's, it feels really disconnected from anything else that's going on with the lanterns. It almost feels like they're not even really a part of the team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I like I like when my lantern core feels united, and I guess maybe like if they would have been coming up with everybody else, but it, but have been it clearly picked like okay, these two are clearly head and shoulders above this second tier group and slowly work them in kind of that that would have been like i would have loved to have a john centric book in place of this and then have these two more involved in the green lantern core book that makes so much more sense for that yes the core book should have focused on on john and incorporated these two and then we could have had a hal centric book Something like that, yeah. Some sort to be, of to be like the you know the the flagship or whatever, I guess. Uh, not that I you know I'm chomping at the bit for another Hal book, but I could see that being the the compromise. Yeah, but it's it's better to leave somebody like Hal. It's better to leave one of the other lanterns out on their own than strand these two. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's making good use of the status quo too, with John being kind of the leader of the core and. And training the next um, group of lanterns, I guess, and then have Hal be his, you know, freewheeling self, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. All right. Harley Quinn, uh, did you open it I, up? I did not. I didn't either. All right. Is this, a, is this still a Thierry issue? Uh, it's Thierry tier, yes, yep. Tier tier, it's not old. It's not old woman Harley yet, though, right? I That's don't not know. A, no, are, it's not. What are you saying? I don't even. Did know. you have you not seen that? I I don't know. So so one of the the I, guess, I think it's the last arc. I think it's the last arc before um, Humphreys takes over. Uh, Thierry is doing an old woman Harley arc. That's like a riff on old man Logan slash Mad Max, basically. Oh my God. It's pretty twisted. (laughs) Honestly, as awful as that sounds, that also 
could be good. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually like Sam. I will probably read at least the first issue. Yeah, I I, um, I envision us checking it out and then being like, ah, no, this is actually just the same thing. Yeah, yeah. this is yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think is gonna happen. But okay, okay. Well, next we've got Justice League number forty-two. Oh, your least favorite book. Oh. Um... I still don't like it very much. <laughs> um, uh, illustrated or written by Christopher Priest, illustrated by Pete Woods. Pete Woods is back. He's okay again. Um, yeah, man, I just like, I just don't care. Yeah. I, 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 I understand you not caring, Zach. I will say that. I totally get it. Superman's still an a-hole in this. Uh-huh. Um, and you, you talked about, like, superheroes, like, comics dealing with um, kind of the, like, interventionist um, aspects of, of, like, foreign relations. And this is this is all that all the time. And the issue gets to that part at the end where they're all kind of, like, talking about the implications of that. Mm-hmm. And we have Bruce, who's basically like, no, we can't take in any refugees. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but then Deathstroke just comes in and kills the fan, and everything's good again. Which, that is the perfect... That's actually the perfect kind of masterstroke for Priest to... Because, because in fact, it's almost so perfect that I, I can't believe that we didn't see it coming. No, mm-hmm. knowing that Deathstroke was going to show up because what has the fan kept saying throughout all of this? How are you going to deal with me? I know everything about you. You're not going to kill me. So at some point I'm going to reveal what I know. And they kept playing it up as this like, yeah, what are we going to do? And then of course Deathstroke just comes and murks him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for, for what was an overly wordy and kind of this issue was not accomplishing much that we hadn't seen already, showing the superheroes arguing about how to take care of this international problem. I agree with that. It, it, the ending with Deathstroke was kind of a perfect button for me, and I, I hope after this it kind of continu- the button <laughs> continues on this like fun path with Deathstroke because I think Priest really works well in that environment. But uh, that was kind of the perfect perfect button to end this on button yeah we'll we'll do that okay um yeah yeah and you know this is the the penultimate issue of this we've got one more before it all wraps up um uh, wait so one that there's only one more issue of justice league is that right I, i think so oh dang because so this this is yeah yeah because in may no justice starts and this is the first April issue. Yeah, so there's one more issue of Justice League. Wow. We barely knew ye. Yeah. Um, the whole bit with Wonder Woman was a little... I, I Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I don't know. It's not for me. If Brian was here, he'd be telling me how wrong I am and how this is the best Justice League arc that we've ever had since <laughs> since 
I don't know, since Grant Morrison or something. But I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, yeah, me either. We can can move on. Let's move on to um, an issue that I really, really liked a lot. What is that? Nightwing 42. Oh, yes, the other... uh... Kelly and Lansing. Mm-hmm. Art, yeah. Art by Jorge, Jorge Corona. Corona. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you know, I'm like a huge Japan mark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and this issue really just had it all. The, the art was fantastic. It was a Dick and Damien joint. Lots of lots of ninjas and fun kabuki stuff and and really, really smart design or a fun design, you know. I I like pretty much everything about this issue, even if it was a little hokey at times with the, <laughs> with the narration. Um, I was I was able to overlook that just because of how how gorgeous and how fun this was, just as a as a one off issue. Yeah the uh, the the Dick and Damien stuff continues to be really satisfying. The the the, the them calling one another brothers doesn't feel you know, sometimes that stuff can feel uh, forced or sort of uh, artificial, but mm-hmm. I think I think given all that we know about, I mean, the Dick and Damien stuff is our favorite, some of our favorite stuff. Oh yeah. And so if you're gonna ha- put them together and and call, you know, have this brothership between them, that feels real to me. Mm-hmm. It's always going to because of the work that's come that's come before to establish that. Um, I thought it was interesting that Kelly and Lansing both, you know, they they both had these like with Green Arrow and this these like filler arcs, and they chose to set them in international locations. Mm, that's but, interesting. Yeah, that was like it. It, it kind of felt like you know the way that we can get away with kind of doing whatever we want with these characters right now is to pluck them out of. Gotham and and uh, Seattle or Star City or whatever you want to say, whatever, yeah, whatever it is now. I don't even know. <laughs> I think it, I think it's Seattle again. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, they fixed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or um, unfixed it. However you want to look at it. Um, so Damien has a dragon now. Yeah, that reminded me a lot of Damien of the son of uh, Damien, son of Batman th- stuff that uh Mm -hmm. what's his name was doing um uh gleason it was gleason Gleason. right yeah 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 but of course he has a dragon of course he does i love this like absurd menagerie he's collecting (laughs) you know he's he's gonna have a zoo yeah and all the animals are gonna be treated so poorly (laughs) (laughs) oh man but yeah, I, I thought this was great, especially after just the huge turd bucket that was <laughs> the Judge Arc. Like, oh my goodness. I've forgotten the Judge Arc even happened. Such a breath of fresh, fresh air. And if, and if you know, as as good as, um, you know, Percy and um, who, who's the artist? Uh, you're talking about... On the old Green Arrow, on on no on uh, on the new Nightwing, the new Nightwing team. It's Percy and oh, 
Oh, damn. Uh... I know, me too. Uh... Oh, no. Huh? Oh, Christopher Mooneyham. Oh, that's right. Yep. yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, as you know, I'm, I'm sure their their work will be interesting, but I, I, I could have been definitely satisfied with this as the new creative team for this book. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, this was good. Very good. Very, very good. All right, should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. All right. What, what is next? Shade the Changing Woman, number two, I believe. Oh, I think you were right. And... Again, it's Cecil Castellucci and Marley Zarconi. Mm-hmm. Um, this continues to be really good, but I feel like it's my type of... Con- like, it's very... Um, very high concept. I think Shade the Changing Girl had more of a propulsive plot. Mm-hmm. And Shade the Changing Woman seems to be, each issue so far, and there's only been two, seems to be more about a feeling or about human nature, you know? Yeah, it's much more obtuse Yeah, and, and abstract. Even though the first series could be pretty abstract, but this is definitely even more so. Right. It the the first series could get really abstract, but it always had this like all right, Megan is at school and she's going to deal with the next thing with her friends or she's she's on the road and she's looking for um excuse me, uh honey whatever her name was, the uh, TV, yeah, TV yeah, series. Life with Honey or whatever, yeah. yeah. But in this it's like the the main thing is is shade or megan or whatever dealing with dealing with the fact that she isn't moving through the world the same way that her friends from high school are and she's kind of losing her grip and you you get to see some of those old characters a little bit but they're like on the periphery and she's not she's not moving in the same plane with them anymore Mm-hmm. And it's becoming really, I mean, I'm into it. I'm into this whole, like, she can't get a grip on all these changes that are happening in, in the real world. But I could easily see people picking up this book and being like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, yeah, it, it it's really out there. I do love how much, like, I, I like how the the madness world stuff mirrors and parallels the the real world stuff and how it flows in and out and and kind of the weird goofy aside stuff um, that happens. There are a few places where I kind of was left scratching my head because I, I couldn't remember if it was referencing something from Shade the Changing Girl. Um, like I that the bit with the astronaut. Um. Do, do you know? Do we know who that was? Bit with the astronaut. They said his name was Wes. Was that the name of her 
boyfriend character in Shade the Changing Girl? Oh, uh... I can't even remember. <laughs> Ooh, I don't remember. I don't think... Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think it might have been. You mean that guy that she was like, um, when she got out of her coma and he was like, yeah, we were a thing before. Yeah, like Megan's boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you're right. I'm Googling frantically, too. I think he was, because didn't, didn't he say, like, in the last issue, like, didn't it show that he said, like, oh, I want to become an astronaut? And yep. Yep. That, right. that happened, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. So so this seems like some kind of like future version of him. Yeah. Maybe. But but then also, so who is this character who comes in and kills Megan's parents? Uh you're talking about the the bird, the boy who's possessed by the bird and maybe is Megan? Is that like is possessed by Megan's spirit, maybe. That's kind of what I thought, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, a lot of that stuff kind of confused me, and I, I, I couldn't mostly because it felt like I couldn't. I needed to go back and refresh myself on the first series and what happened at the end of it, because it has been a, it's been a bit. Yeah. That last issue came out back in November. Oh man. But yeah, I mean otherwise this is this is really good still. Um now that Doom Patrol's kind of on indefinite hiatus, this is like the <laughs> um, you know, the reigning champion of Young Animal, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think Eternity Girl has a chance to Right, right. It's a... very good. Other you know, other than the fact that it's a mini um Yeah, this is this is really good. Also, uh, also, hell is no place for dogs. No, it's really not. Sadly. That's because all dogs go to heaven. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I, um, one of my wife's cousins, when he was oh, like, my wife, two or three, he, um, he made the stipulation that all good dogs go to heaven. So, you know, he's a very, um legalistic in his interpretation of salvation in the afterlife well wait a minute aren't all dogs good i don't know are you i think all dogs are good except for the ones that got rabies and then bit a human i guess so that's what i think mark it down haters come at me even then it's just the rabies that's bad well it's because of the dog's sins oh okay I don't know. The Sins of the Father, dog. <laughs> sins of the Father. The most popular subtitle for a comic book uh... <laughs> ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I feel my like... gosh. Yeah, I... Has every comic book series ever had a arc called Sins of the Father? Maybe as maybe not Wonder Woman, but I think now it did, that Zeus is her dad. Oh, really? <laughs> Hold on. You, me... you would know. You would know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I... Sins of the Father. Wonder Woman, Sins of the Father. Wonder Woman number 13, <laughs> Sins of the Father, from uh, from 
the uh, Cliff Chang, uh, Brian Azzarello run. Okay, well, of course, yeah. I said with the Zeus stuff, it would have to come in around about there, and sure enough. Yep. Okay, th then that proves it. Everybody has had a Sins of the Father arc. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm sure Superman has had his fair share of Sins of the Father arc, and this one kind of has that because it we're dealing with the sins of bizarro here in <laughs> superman 44 um written by tomasi and gleason illustrated by doug monkey and man i want to like this so much but the bizarro speak it's tough it's tough. so much of it. it there's a lot of it i think i tweeted today so much bizarro speak and Okay, here's the thing. I think this is a really solid story. I think it's something we would love. I think it's really tough to read. Mm -hmm. It's almost impenetrable. It, um, it took me three times. I read this issue three times. Yeah. And, and I got it then. But, but, like, but it's also like the amount of effort you have to put into deciphering the Bizarro Speak isn't even really worth it. No, I feel like if you just gloss over... Like by my third reading... I was just glazing over it and and basically getting it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are a few parts where it sort of matters because you like the bit towards the end with the rocket ship and Lois and like there it matters. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm kind of. I was really, really excited for this arc. And now I'm kind of sad that this is their this this creative team swan song yeah um i do really like how the issue ends because it you know it kind of seemingly ends with the destruction of the bizarro verse but they save boyzaro yes yep um which you just the idea of adding oh and and also um Zorro, Damien. <laughs> yes. Bizarro. It really feels like... Um, it really feels like there could have been an arc after this where they're basically incorporated into like the Teen Titans somehow or something. Right, like right. Or it feels like uh, this would... It would be just so fitting and logical to have those characters show up in super sons for the next arc of super sons or something. Yeah. Or just incorporated into the cast of that book long-term. Yeah. Um, but with that book going away too, um, you know, it seems kind of like a missed opportunity. Yeah. I did like how this arc featured art from both Gleason and Monkey to kind of, uh, commemorate the, that they were the two artists that, essentially rotated through this book with mm -hmm. more with more regularity than the like fill-in ones yeah although although i feel like you know kind of towards the the middle of the run and when it sort of started to dip a bit we did get a lot more monkey like an arc would start off with monkey and then he would fall off for a fill-in you know artist or whatever i i was really kind of hoping that this arc would be all gleason mm, yeah um but you know it's fine. Monkey, Monkey is very good. Um, I just prefer Gleason, I think here. And, and man, I just have to wonder what Gleason is up to, 
because it's not that it's not like I mean maybe he has some kind of other life commitments or something. Um, but you know he did do that. He's not necessarily an artist that's known for taking a long time or getting bogged down. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did Green Lantern Corps really consistently. He did Batman and Robin very consistently. Yeah. Um, so I have to think that he's doing something. Oh, well, we know what he's doing. He's doing action, isn't he? He's doing, is he with doing... Bendis? Is he really? Yeah, I'm almost oh. positive. Oh, man. I'd okay. forgotten about that. But yeah, yeah, because Reyes is on Superman and Gleason is on action. Oh, wow. Oh, man, I hope DC's good again. Oh, man, I would love it. It'd be great, right? It would almost justify you buying all six of those Man of Steel issues. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, the art is going to be really good on all of those. Oh, it's going to be really good. Um, not too much, not too long on those. Mm-hmm. We're almost there. But, but, but first, we have a few more weeks and, and one more book. And boy, is it a book. <laughs> Yeah, oh, our, la- our last book of the night, isn't it? Yeah. The Curse of Brimstone. Yeah, part of the, the New Age of Heroes, illustrated by the one, the only, Philip Tan. Now, now we say one the one and only, but... <laughs> but there are really many. <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a good and a bad, at yeah, least. And, and we got one of them. Which, was, which one was this? I, I think this was... It wasn't good, Tan. I don't think. No, I think this was bad, Tan. Um, well, also uh, written by Justin Jordan. And, man. So on one hand, I I like the idea of this because, you know, I come from a crappy small town. Um, I can I can commiserate with this. I can see I see this and and. You know, a lot of great stories come from crappy small towns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think like Twin Peaks or like every Stephen King novel ever, or um, I don't know that there's it's just right. There's a lot of potential there, but then I also kind of groaned a little bit when I I this kind of started delving into. You know, oh, well, coal. And mm-hmm. there were definitely the words make such and such great again. Yep. And the forgotten man. Uh huh. Which was a common refrain. Yeah. So, I mean, that's fine. I, I mean, guess. It, it is. If, if, if we can have social justice warrior Oliver Queen. We can have down on your luck, small town conservative coal worker. Yes, and this—I mean, it's a real thing. It is. It is a real thing. Yeah. I'm I'm in Kentucky, and it's a it's a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, coal is coal is big. Yeah. Um, and it is sad. It's bad. It's very bad. I don't want to make light of like how you know how bad the situations are in some of those towns. So it is cool to be seeing that represented here. I just wish it was represented a little bit less drearily. Um, 
and with maybe a little more nuance. Mm-hmm. Just like when we have, you know, in Green Arrow, when political ideas aren't always handled so deftly. Yeah. We wish that there was a little more subtlety and nuance. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Know, what, what were your thoughts? I rambled a lot. No, no. I, I think you're spot on. Uh, only a couple other things I want to point out is that it always looks to me like the bad philip tan like the faces are just gonna slide right off these characters yeah like they're just melting yeah and maybe maybe that's because of the brimstone maybe it's so (laughs) hot (laughs) yeah no i it's interesting i didn't hate this um no I, i didn't either actually i didn't hate it I just don't think I don't think I'm interested in reading this. Um, and again, it's not because of the political. Like, I you pick up on it right away, mm-hmm. and and I've got not I've got no problem with with showing that. You know, I'm not going to if I'm if I'm fine with politics of uh, in of one type in a different comic, I don't have a problem with it here. It, it is like the. It's like Suicide Squad putting in, like, the guy who's like, I'm the wall. <laughs> you know, drain the swamp. It's just, like, beat you over the head, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough because uh, that that is not what repels me from this book. It's really mm. It's really the art... It's really the lack of, uh, cause I do sympathize with, with this particular, you know, they do a lot with this character to, um, show you kind of what an impoverished world he's living in. Yeah. You almost feel like this, this comic should have been set in Canada and it should have been written by Jeff Lemire. <laughs> there is a little bit of that, you know, there is, there is. Yeah. Um, but Jeff Lemire doesn't get saddled with this art, you know? No, no, he doesn't. Um, and also, I would say, now this is no fault of the book, I don't think. It's just more the way that the new age of heroes is destined to go. But when you set up a book to have this, like, desperate economic struggle, and then all of a sudden at the end you throw him into a... Like now he's brimstone. <laughs> I know, I know. You know what I feel, mean? There's a weird disconnect there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I I'm interested in both things. You know, I'm interested in the kind of like almost you know image esque slice of life comic that we're presented with at the beginning of the book, and then also this supernatural, you know, demonic salesman character who comes along at the end. But the, the, they feel so disparate to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, which maybe, you know, maybe it will loop back around and be be interesting. I think, you know, surprisingly, this was definitely, I think, the, the New Age of Heroes book that was lowest on my radar um, when it was announced. Uh-huh. But I think it actually has a good bit of potential to be 
really interesting. Yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm really interested for next month's solicits when we find out who the next artist is going to be. Cause I'm <laughs> sure, you know, fourth issue, there will be a new artist. Um, because there's something here that I do like or that I want to like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't know. This feels like a book that Doug Monkey should be on. Hey, maybe he's your... No, he's going to be put on something more important, but... Uh... <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny that, I mean, again, this comes back to how DC's positioning the new age of heroes. This is supposed to be very important. Yeah, well, that's what they say, but I don't know if that's going to bear out. Anymore. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Said so we're going to have just like Terrifics and five other, um, um, crap, what was that? What was that weird series we always make fun of that... The Ken Marion series. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, it was the JT Crawl, right? Um, uh huh. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Back to Google. Uh, bloodlines. Blood <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have terrifics and then like six bloodlines. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh no, no! That other, that one book, the Orlando one, that looks good. Yeah, it does. The premise is really great. It looks really good. Terrifics and whatever. The, what's Grant Morrison gonna be writing on? He's supposed to be on Sideways. sideways. I, I, I actually kind of like Sideways. I like Sideways is fine. Yeah, yeah. It'll be even better if Grant Morrison is on it. I did my DCBS order, and I, honestly, I was buying the bundle of the New Age of Heroes stuff. Did you break it up now? I broke it up this time around. I only got Terrifics, Sideways, and uh, the Steve Orlando thing, and Challengers. Fair enough. Yeah. And Challengers, I'm only doing on the strength of Scott Snyder. Man, you're a braver man than I. You got them all? No, I didn't get any of them. No, then you're the brave one. (laughs) You're the one. No, you're you're buying them. Yeah, that's brave. You're, well, I guess, but you know, being a mercenary and cut, cutting them off is. Better. I guess so. Speaking um, of cutting cutting it off, we're at is it end. time? I think we're at the end here. Where yeah, we we lost our shit a whole lot less than we did on the the lost episode. We did the lost episode. We, we'll never get that back. No, sadly. <laughs> We started off really strong on this issue, though, and then I think the just the dearth, the the dirge of the comics brought us down. Yeah, it really did. Should we look ahead to next week and see what what horrors lie in oh, wait I, for us? I, you know, I think we should. Yeah, let's let's just continue the. This is the googling episode where you and I just Google things. Yeah, um, right. Let's see what we got next week. Now, next week is my birthday too on Wednesday. Oh, so. happy birthday. What are, What is DC sending you? Oh, Batgirl on the Birth of Prey, number 21. Happy birthday. How did they know? How did they know, Zach? Uh, Eternity Girl, number two. Oh, that's good. That's good. Immortal yeah, Man, Mortal number Man. one. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Put it in oh, my veins. The only, the only Jim Lee issue of Immortal Man we're going to get. Ever. Ever. Um, Sideways, number three. 
Yeah, uh, uh, Suicide Squad and Trinity and Wonder Woman. Good oh my God. gosh. We, we got, got the, the Robinson double whammy. <laughs> pulling out all the stops for me. Um, the final issue of Supergirl. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is it also is it the final issue of Justice League of America as well? Or is there one more after that? Mm, I, I thought there was a 29. There probably is. That would make sense. Yeah, this doesn't say final issue, so I think there's one more. I think it's 29. It ends on a weird number, I thought. Isn't it weird how all of these series are just ending now? That's weird. It, it feels really weird to me. It does feel weird. It's um, that, The whole new Justice thing is exciting and weird. Yeah, I feel like April is going to be a really down month for yeah. us. As we're, It's, it's going to be a big lull. It is, it, you know what? It reminds me a lot of, even though they're not officially doing like a full-blown relaunch the way that they mm. did for Rebirth, it feels a lot like when the pre-rebirth books were winding down, mm-hmm. where we were like, "Okay, do I am I really gonna have to read this last these last couple issues of Justice League? You know, am I really gonna have to read the last issue of Aquaman? You know, like yeah, let's just get to the new series. Yeah, is kind of how I feel. I, I feel like that's the downside to these relaunches that they do. Mm-hmm. You, you, you stop caring about the books that are ending. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely do. Yeah. But what? we've got a lot of things to look forward to. We've got the the free comic book, not so free comic book day issue. Yeah. Um you know, we got no justice. Or whatever it is. Yeah, whatever. Um No uh, Justice, Man of Steel. Yeah. The and Justice League, all the Justice Leagues. We've got uh, also next week on my birthday. I'm actually excited for this. Action Comics, 80 Years of Superman hardcover. Oh, that'll be nice. I wonder if we'll get a digital copy of that. I don't know. I feel like we won't get the PDF, but I feel like we'll get... On the Comixology, maybe? Yeah. But we'll see. I could be wrong. That would be be fun to talk about. Because I don't think there's... I don't think there's anything new in there except for that previously unpublished issue from the 40s. Yeah, I but think you're right. But there's not like a new like current continuity thing. Right. Oh, but wait. But action comes out this month. I forgot about that. At the end of the month, right? I think so. Or let's see. No, 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 no. That's it might not, be the eighteenth. It's May, right? No, it's it's this month. Right? One thousand? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the next week. It's April eighteenth. Seriously? Oh uh-huh. that's gonna be fun. Yeah. I still haven't read that Tom King thing. Oh, me either. I'm saving it. That's going to be fun. We could dedicate a whole episode to that. Yeah. That'll be good. Oh, one last thing. Did you see the April Fool's Day thing about everyone getting trunks? Yeah, I'm I'm pissed that it's not real. <laughs> oh, man. That, that was really funny for the number of people responding to it as if it were real. I didn't actually look at that. Oh. Were there a lot? Uh, I mean, there was enough to worry you. Oh, uh, well. There was enough to trouble you about the general state of humanity, I, I would well, say. Well, there's enough out there to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we got. Thanks for uh, coming and listening to me and, and Vince do this without Brian. And yeah. uh, Hey, I'm, I'm a back, you guys. Uh, oh, he's, he's Yay, I brought the pizza pie. It's got the prosciutto on it. Uh, it's got uh, 
some nice mozzarella. Yeah, yeah. What else you got? Let's get the mushrooms, uh, a green pepper. <laughs> where um, did you Where did you get it? Did you make it yourself? Oh, I, oh, oh, my don, oh, Zach. I always make it to myself. <laughs> is it how good is it? Is it just good, or is it a, is it Italian chef kiss good? Oh, my oh. oh. <laughs> Mother Mary, you wouldn't have believed how good it is. I'm a, right. I'm a Brian Salvatore. Where can we find you on, on Twitter, Brian? Yeah, Brian needs a nap. What do you like to tweet about, Brian? Uh, Mets baseball and uh, uh, sometimes Rivers of Cuomo. Oh, oh. Do you remember that time that you had you, that you had brunch with River? <laughs> I believe that was in the, the last episode. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Vince, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at Vince Ostrowski. Uh, that's a good place to be. <laughs> and Where can and we I'm, find you? I'm at SirFox89. The fantastic Mr. SirFox89. That's me, that's me. All right, well, as usual, you know, if you... Talk to us, comment at us, send us letters. We need more fan mail. I agree. Only no- nothing about uh, Brian's appearance on today's show, please. Nothing. Don't don't at Brian about his appearance tonight or his lack of appearance. Good night. Good night. Oh, I, I put a piece of prosciutto under my... Uh... Oh, gabagoo. <laughs>